1: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. It, what, welcome oh, yeah. to the work for it podcast we're, my we're name is brian house and you're today. listening to. <laughs> i apologize for this weird inter- this weird beginning for the podcast but i have to hit record on this because ben is trying to mount his microphone on a two-foot level in a basement in pennsylvania because he doesn't have all the equipment with him and i just find it absolutely hilarious i wish oh, you could see it oh, uh, we're gonna get there. uh you we're almost gonna, there ben we're gonna get it <laughs> Heck of a picture when we're done. Oh, wait. oh my god! Oh yeah! Hell yeah! Shit fire! Ben's on and live right now. We Welcome to the Housework Podcast. I think we got to take a Benjamin Butler. Yeah, take a screenshot. <laughs> yeah, let's take a
2: screenshot. <laughs> Bam! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Anything for anything for the show.
1: Anything for the show <laughs> in the Makery Network, right here. You're listening to the Housework Podcast. My name is Brian House, and um, I am uh, joined as always with uh, Ben Jam and Butler out in Pennsylvania. We have uh, been working hard all year. 2020 has whew. been the year of the Work for It Podcast. You're listening to episode 32. Can you believe 32? it? 32, Ben. No way. It's a that lot of episodes. Seems
2: crazy. Well, I guess, it does seem yeah. crazy. Wow, 32.
1: 32 episodes.
2: That is impressive. That's Man. like
1: four years of podcasting for some other for podcasters. Some,
2: yeah, right? Yeah. If you do the monthly or whatever, yeah. That's, yeah. Um,
1: I, I, I've been kind of back looking back into the catalog of some of my favorite podcasters, and I'm like, damn, these guys need to get on it and make some new podcasts. Like a bunch of guys are not putting – um yeah. You know, effort into it, not in the make rate or anything. I'm not calling anybody out because I get it. People are way busy, yep. but um, you know, I'm I I I yearn for the content. So I'm like feeling a little bit like, hey, I, you know, I wish like guys like Jason Knight did a weekly podcast. Yeah. He's interesting to listen to, and um, like Brad Rodriguez and those guys from the work yep. or uh, not work for what are they uh, made for profit? Made for profit. Uh, they
2: did a they did one episode right, like post COVID, and then. They were, I guess they're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, I think it just, just talk, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just get on it. You like what we've been doing. Our our overarching theme has been to reach out to our listenership and ask them, specific questions get their answers and then read it back on the podcast and discuss yeah. it and i think you know some answers are more well thought out than others some people take some you know a lot of time and thought and effort and put into it and those are the comments that we end up kind of jibing on for a while and yeah. that person gets cross promotion and gets talked about on here so they get maybe in front of people who haven't seen their work before and all right. that so it kind of it's a win win it it works out um uh, i don't I don't know if this is an original concept I'm sure there's other people that yeah. are doing this concept with podcasting but um it was like it just kind of came natural to us where we were like asking yep. questions. It was so much easier to ask you guys questions and get your responses as comments than for you to do the uh, what is it? Uh, the Knife Talk podcast where they uh, you can reach us via DM. Phone in,
2: yeah, phone in questions, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's that easy. It's that
2: easy. <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think
2: it's you know coming up with topics isn't always easy, but it's probably easier than um. Well, it's probably easier than having um you know a lot of thought out content week after week you know i, so I was talking to um, i was actually talking to Chris Cunningham late last night i think it was about cuz they do the um, the maker life podcast and i was talking oh, to yeah. him you know and i said how how is it going you know i said you've never really done a podcast he's like yeah it's a lot more work than i than i thought it was you know than i thought it was going to be at first and uh i was like yeah it's definitely uh you know it's definitely not a it's it's a grind right and so i think to do it weekly folks probably don't realize you know the effort that it takes <laughs> week after week to have stuff to talk about and to be uh engaging but
1: yeah i think i think you're absolutely right i think if you once you take in, take your we do this once a week. So we, we, you know, we record, we have a day of the week that we get together, Ben and I, and it's just kind of like, we know every day, every Tuesday at three o'clock Eastern standard, we're going to sit down and record one of these things, but it's all the work and the prep work up ahead, you know, thinking of concepts to talk about and bringing the audience in along for the ride. And, you know, then making the social media posts and, you know, cross promoting all of that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of work. I will tell you though, in the terms of creating content, making a podcast is probably one of the easiest because there's not a lot of editing. We sit yeah. down, we we have a conversation. You and I are both decent conversationalists, I think. Yeah. And you just you pick a topic and you run with it. And you know, an hour goes by so fast. So fast. Yeah. So it's fast. here and gone. And in fact, yeah. I find this I find that I find myself looking forward to this every yeah. week going. I can't miss the podcast this week, even though I'm like right in the middle of a project. I'm like, right. wash your hands, <laughs> grab a cup of coffee, sit the fuck down, and talk to Ben for an hour and a half. Yep, not a big deal. And yep. uh, and then also I get a chance to read all these fantastic comments from these people, you know, yeah. who have been following along with our progress as makers and and joining us and the yep. journey that is our professional careers. That's been so, really neat, you know, with with
2: not me not being too plugged into the knife making and metalwork community and just to start mixing it up with some folks in that, you know, in those worlds, it's been really neat just to start starting to get to know some folks, you know, and had a few folks reach back out to me. And so it's really cool um, just to expand that focus, you know, and I think um, it's easy. It's almost easy. I think especially now with the way Instagram works and social media works they pigeonhole you into your community, right? Like Daytime. Instagram kind of prescribes to you what you see. Um, the organic sort of discovery rate used to be a lot higher a few years back. You know, folks post to TikTok today, right? And, and you get a hundred thousand views, you know, on a, on a junk post, basically. Um, that's TikTok pushing your stuff to as many people as, as they think might want to see it. Instagram's just not doing that anymore. So I find the circle gets really small and you have to actually go out and expand it yourself if you want it to grow. So it's been a welcome change for me. It's really cool.
1: You got to work for it. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching- One um, might
2: say that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I was watching uh, have you watched that show on Netflix with Dave Letterman Where he, it's I don't know what it, the name uh, of it is it's like sitting with Dave or something like that
2: I might have, I'm not sure
1: if you're a fan of David Letterman
2: has it been but, out for a while
1: yeah it's been out for a while
2: I feel like I might have watched it yeah back, a little while back but
1: he, he does interviews with like relatively famous people like uh, oh, nice. the one I watched last night um, was uh, Jay-Z Oh, cool! And um, Jay, you know, and it's kind of like a—if a, a, you can imagine—two people sitting in chairs, kind of like what we're doing, talking to each other. And yeah. and the what Jay Z was saying was, you know, there was a period of time where there was all of these people making all of this money on Instagram, uh, like Kanye West and the yeah. Kardashians, and he's like, all of that is gone now. Like yeah. it is just straight is. up gone that you cannot do it anymore. It's so um, muddled and, you know, the.
2: You have to wonder the, what killed it, you know, like that's what killed Popularity. Me. Yeah. Popularity I, killed it. The flood of the market. Is that what Flood of the market.
1: Yeah. Straight yeah. up supply and demand. I mean, it, if this is, this is what I talk about with people saying like, oh, you got to get into marijuana. Uh, you know, they, everybody's talking about, you know, um, cannabis because it's like yeah. the next big thing like it's just going to be like every other business. Right. It's going to have a boom and then it's going to level the the playing field will be leveled very quickly yeah. by the amount of supply and the amount of demand. And True. so it's this it, it is the basis of all economics and the basis of all business. There is this little biosphere of amount of money and amount of buyers yeah. and it's it's a symbiosis and when it gets off kilter for a while everybody goes Go there, buy that, sell that, yeah. or grow right, that, or you know, whatever, and then like, pop, it goes.
2: Everybody, I mean, two years ago, no, almost three now, when I started my Instagram push, you're right. Everybody and their brother was going to become a content creator, right? And every company was sending free shit to anybody with a pulse and 500 followers, you know? Yeah. Um, and then- you know, arguably I would I would use that to, to criticize myself to an to an extent because um there are, there are a good number of people like myself that hit the ten K mark. And that was the magic number, right? Is you hit ten K, you get the swipe up, Instagram takes you seriously, and then just plateau, right? And so if you look, um there's gotta be a huge percentage of Instagram accounts that Rushed to 10k, maybe made it to 12, 13k and then fell flat and haven't touched it almost since. I can tell you that I took a little break. Uh, not really a little break, but just I wasn't grinding every day. Right. And that was enough to plateau. Now breaking back through that ceiling. Man, it's people say the first thousand followers on Instagram are the hardest followers you'll ever make. I say the first thousand after (laughs) 13,000 has been the hardest I ever had to make.
1: Right, right. Um, It's a They talked about this on uh, Jeff Fader's podcast with uh, Alex Steele, because it was really interesting to hear him discuss the same uh, process. He was saying that um, Instagram makes him no money. Like Alex Steele said, he doesn't generate hardly any business from it. It's mostly from YouTube. Also, um, Aaron Goff uh, from the XYZ podcast. I was just listening back. I was backlogging all of those and listening to them today because I'm hand sanding today. And uh, Aaron said um, 90% of his customers come from YouTube. Same with me. 90% of my customers come from YouTube. If you look at my analytics, uh, it is outrageous the amount of people i get um i get 7000 unique visitors a day from my from youtube but it's evergreen 7, you know
2: like that's the beauty instagram you could argue that it's evergreen you know my posts are always on my feed you can go back and and somebody could scroll all the way back to the beginning the very fir- first post that i made however instagram stops Pushing it, or, or it stops becoming quote live content within a couple of days, you know, like
1: or even one day. I've or even one like day, twenty four hours, it comes and goes, and it's gone. Yep. I yep. get very few likes unless somebody's going through my feed, and you know, yeah, giving you the it.
2: like bomb thing. But <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I I I agree. There was a video I watched uh, last night from Little King Goods. He's a leather uh, leather crafter. Really kind of a neat channel, very artistic, very high production, just really, really spot on, uh, you know, videography and everything else. And, and it's interesting because it's a perfect, if you go all the way back to the beginning of his videos, um, the quality is, is just incredibly high, you know, 11 out of 10, even like the first videos that the guy produced, you could tell like
1: on Instagram,
2: uh, no on YouTube.
1: Oh on YouTube. You know okay.
2: you, you could tell like this guy is I destined. know who you're
1: talking about. This I've watched his stuff was, is uh, so freaking good. He yeah. hardly has any follower or, or he didn't yeah. the last time. He I didn't for it. a
2: while. And yeah. uh what's interesting, right, is he, so his video uh I think it was either 2 days ago or something is what it was tagged as. Um uh, but it was the title was I almost quit. And he says, you know, <laughs> for two the first 2 years of my channel What you didn't realize, what you didn't see is we were living with my parents, (laughs) you know, like I wasn't making enough money to pay our cell phone bills. You know, he's like, so it's easy to look at social media and right. And we all do it, whether you admit it or not, right. You only show the best parts of everything, Um, because who wouldn't? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to show you the crummy parts of my life. (laughs) Not that there are that many, right? But human instinct, you want to show your best work. And so showing your best work kind of becomes, quote, putting on airs, even though you're not trying to. And it's easy to get disillusioned by that, I think. And I think a lot of folks do. Um, and I I find myself doing that too, right? Where it's like, oh man, I got a post and Oh, that's not good enough. So you refine the post or you you edit the video or whatever. I'm not a videographer. I've never, you know, taken a photography class in my life. I don't know jack shit about cameras, <laughs> you know? So my production value, unless I really dedicate time to it, is never going to be there. And that's okay. People probably don't follow me for the photography, you know? So no, it's they
1: follow you for the tips for and the, the education and the, and the yeah. tricks
2: or the, the learning. And, and it's, e- I think it's oftentimes easy to compare yourself to another video maker, another content creator and go, oh, shit, I need to do that better, this better. At the end of the day, be you. There's an audience for everybody, you know? Yeah.
1: I, I have that. Sa- I had that same problem, f- you know, for the first probably six months to eight months when I got serious about content creation, I was watching what all my peers were doing to see yeah. like, okay, you know, they're, they're creating content based in this, or this is their style. And, you know, I got inspired by all these people yeah. and it was, um, the, you know, guys like Alex Steele and Jimmy Doresta and these big, big names. And then, um, yeah the what happens is is none of that is sustainable because it's not you it's not truly no. who you are so you kind of have to find your own niche and you know so when anybody dives into content creation they will either burn out trying to be someone else or they will continue down the path of finding them themselves. And I've said this so many times and and I've had multiple uh, other large creators uh, agree with me and say that they feel the same way is that the market decides for you. yeah. so if you if you have a a path that you want to take, you have a passion that you want to take, um, whether that might be woodworking, knife making, you know, grinder making, whatever tools, all those things, unless you're fully engaged and passionate about it, the audience will sniff you out so quick yeah. they'll they'll know oh, yeah. that that's not your true. That's not for you, you know, or the yep. market will decide. And I know it sounds crazy, but the hive mind does make a difference. It makes they people the algorithm starts to watch retention rates and uh, engagement and all of these things. And people get whenever I hear somebody uh, like a maker or or a content creator arguing about the algorithm is against them. I'm like, you're against yourself. The algorithm is fighting against you because you are fighting within your own self. You have to let go be yourself and, and, you know, find, find that groove and that path that's led you up on. And, and I think too, some people have to come to the hard conclusion that they might not be likable. Our right camp. here,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, you yeah. know, people
1: are sour and angry and bitter, and it comes across no matter how hard you try, the human yeah. element, it, you know, inside that's, of you is there, and uh, it will show, big, it will thing, rise right? to like, the surface. Yeah.
2: We're not all likable, you know, and and I and I realized that I'll never be an Alex Steele or I'll never be a, a, a Brian House, or, you know, I'll never have those that very specific type of charisma. And that's okay. Um, but I think sometimes we force, try to force it in and you end up phoning it in really quick. And the burnout thing is real. You know, I, I, I see so many folks that start off like a cannon and they go from zero to 20,000 followers, right? But they're doing 50 stories a day. They're yeah. answering every comment within... 60 seconds of it hitting their inbox not you know, sustainable none and, of that is sustainable. and they're sitting at the dinner table with four kids and a wife and a phone attached to the hip you know and you go right hey man that's cool and you know i don't know i've had some folks reply to me so quickly uh fairly large accounts that i almost feel bad you know you almost feel bad right. for them going Or you wondered, do they have
1: somebody, (laughs) you know, managing the content? Yeah, or they paying somebody to
2: to answer? Yeah,
1: Yeah, but it's I I won't ruin it for you, but if you haven't listened to the Alex Steele interview on the Full Blast podcast, you should go and listen to it. It's um, uh, you know, Jeff, and he has his own style of uh, interviewing people. He's getting to be
2: a hell of an interviewer. It's really yeah, he really
1: is. And uh, you know, one of the things I I think I really like about the way Jeff approaches things, it's from uh it's from a standpoint of I know a lot about you, but I'm kinda interested in these like little crumbs of details that kind of brought you brought uh you to where you are now. And he does that with Alec. And I think that's a really important piece to listen to. So I think everybody go out and listen after right after you're done listening to this, go out and listen to Alec Steele being interviewed on the Full Blast Podcast. It was really good. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean, I, you know, you start to wonder how, over time you look at a guy like Alex Steele, he's tried everything, you know, and yeah. he's, he's come to the same conclusions we all have, which is just be yourself, have fun and, you know, yep. make a business of it and take it seriously, but not too seriously. Kind of. Yeah.
2: Thing. If you're, it's no fun if you're, if you're worrying or fretting or, or even just overthinking everything you put out there. Right. And and you know, I, I know I've I went through that phase for a little while, and and somewhat it's it's what caused the slump at 10K. You know, you start overthinking yourself, and you're you know, like, oh, that's a shitty post. Well, th- some of the shittiest things I've posted hit hundred thousand views. <laughs> you
1: know, you just yeah, you, you never, never know.
2: You never know. ever uh, can tell that, and it's always a lot easier to be yourself than somebody else, especially if you're going to have to be that person quite a bit online right um yeah i used to i can remember you know early on how awkward it felt posting something and every time i'd hit that button it was like oh there goes (laughs) you know and now i i hit post and it's like yeah fuck it there it goes you know it's like shooting in the
1: dark (laughs) don't even think about it just yeah which is probably not great either but
2: um yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a real, um, it's a weird thing to get to that point where you start thinking, you know, 10,000 people, 13,000 people, or like that reel that I posted earlier, earlier this year that hit a quarter of a million views. You know, you start thinking about that, like that's several frickin' football fields. You know, football stadiums full of fucking people. You know, <laughs> you go like, um, but you're you're like a rock star that doesn't get screen, any. Of the-
1: <laughs> it doesn't mean the same thing because you're like looking at it and you're like, no. oh, oh, two hundred thousand people watch this, and oh well. let, and you're and then but when you put that into perspective, yeah, about how many people that is. It's it's almost like my brain cannot comprehend it.
2: No, I don't think we can unless you unless you saw them right, like unless you were you know that rock star standing on the stage, hearing the cheers and seeing seeing the faces and you know the lighters (laughs) waving in the dark. I don't think you can you can understand it or comprehend it. Um, Early on, Instagram was a lot more friendly in that regard, and and it was probably about once a month you'd hit you know, a hundred thousand view video or something. It was just the way it was.
1: That's like crazy to me. Cause I've it never been nuts. on Instagram where that even close yeah. remotely happened.
2: It, I was lamenting with a, with a, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Scott couch, get off the couch design. Oh, I love his work. I love he, his stuff. Yeah. He does a bunch of cool CNC stuff. Scott and I've been buddies. Gosh, since I've almost, since I first started and, um, he recently hit it, hit it pretty big. He, uh, he carved a i think it was a barcelona soccer team sign and the soccer team picked it up and reposted it well they've got like 90 million followers over on their account and he went from 20k to 60 overnight <laughs>
1: that'll do it
2: <laughs> it was unbelievable but you know we we were we were kind of uh joking back and forth and a couple of years ago, and in fact, I dug up some old DMs. It's kind of cool if you ever look back. Instagram saves as far back as you want okay. to go; it'll keep re, it'll refresh and reload. Man, I pulled up some pretty, pretty funny conversations. <laughs> um, but it, um, we were talking about how uh, Instagram's share organic discovery rate or whatever the hell they call it was so strong back then that we would complain that you know, 10,000 people saw your video, 70% of them were from accounts you did that didn't follow you. And we used to complain about it. Like, why, why aren't my followers seeing this shit? You know? And it's like, <laughs> you don't want your followers yeah, seeing you that don't shit. Want, you want people new people seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You want all the new people
1: to see it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Back then we had the opposite problem, right? Now- uh only our followers see our stuff back then only new f- potential followers were seeing the stuff so and that's what you want It's yeah. just a change I think it's
1: i I, I still I, uh, wonder oh go i I started watching that um i I'm, this is not gonna be a very popular opinion but I started watching <laughs> this thing i am just gonna say it because it' the <laughs> shit out of me but um have you heard of the film the Social dilemma?
2: Yes, I okay. I started it.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> hold your thought because me too. Hold I started. Why wa- I started watching it? And I actually, my wife put it on, and I had fallen asleep. And then I woke up in like mid. This is like old guy talk, by the way. Right. Fell asleep uh, on the couch I mid heard show. Them sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and then I woke up and uh, <laughs> didn't know where <laughs> them I was. The hipsters
2: was talking about social media. That's it.
1: And I'm like this is all fucking fake. Yeah. like I'm like this. I, every single person I talked to told me that, Oh, you have to see the social dilemma. You, it is, it's mind blowing what the, what social media is doing to our children. This is a, it's a documentary. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute. These are all fucking actors. Like this whole show is a sham. It's a sham saying social media is a sham. Yep. it's the film industry's take on don't hey don't st- you know, here's what I here's how I saw it. It is a puff piece created by Netflix, so yeah. that you will change the direction of your attention away and from Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube <laughs> to watching what Ben Netflix. There you go. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This yeah. is what everyone is talking about. I'm like, this is fake. And, uh, I got so annoyed. I'm like, who do I write about this? I want to write. And even all the actors and everything. I was just like, that's shame on you, man. That's pretty
2: much the take. I, I watched a little bit of it and, and I don't know. I, I always have a hard time watching quote documentaries or, or, or those types of films that are, that are very, They're very yeah. point driven, right? right. They're, they they're have very an agenda.
1: agenda Yeah, yeah they're obvious. very
2: agenda focused and they never ever once present a counterpoint to any point on there, right? And I think there are a few pieces that have come out this past year uh around some pretty hot topics, you know, that don't pre- they only present one side. Now that's okay, you know, to an extent. Um you where else are we going to see those points right um unless somebody makes a, a video you know that's saying the social undilemma or you know the social solution or whatever
1: i'm gonna make a never... movie called the netflix dilemma <laughs> right
2: <laughs> all you do is sit on my fat ass and watch one hour long movies <laughs> the couch
1: dilemma by netflix uh, but starring brian I house
2: think, de- yeah dunking. and we don't we don't the
1: social dilemma
2: we don't ever hit the good the good sides of social media, right? And
1: is it all you've learned on social media and uh, think about all the educational shit. I'm sorry. I don't, I look at Netflix and I go, this is all garbage for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of great pieces on there, but there's just, it's all entertainment for the most part. 99% of it is all, you know, reality TV, mm. entertainment driven. And, yeah. you know, when I want to learn something, I go to the internet. I look at YouTube. I look right. at Instagram. I follow along because these are people who are educating and showing. And granted, there's a ton of education there's or a ton of entertainment too. But, but um, I tend to not look at the up. entertainment.
2: No, yeah. and, I, you know, my wife and I both have have caught ourselves at times where um, both um both of our boys, you know, Sam is – He'll be six in January here, and Jack will be eleven in May. Um, And Jack's Jack uses YouTube a little bit more like a resource, like a traditional use. He'll look up video game cheats, or you know, he started doing that a few years back playing Zelda, and he'd find solutions. And hey, great, cool! You know, you're you're just coming of that age where you start using the internet as a tool, right? It's no longer just a consumption. Device where you're just consuming content. Now you're in, you're interacting with the internet. Sam, our youngest, started a bit earlier, <laughs> you know, at five, and he caught on to the YouTube for kids thing. And Jack, when Jack was on the YouTube for, for kids things, it ended up being a bunch of toy reviews, and so we got this real negative, you know, thought of of YouTube for kids because it was like it's just feeding him infomercials about. Fucking Mattel and, you know, G.I. Joe's and that kind of shit. And then when Sam started watching it, he's watching channels like the Outdoor Boys, which is like this dad and his kids that show you different ways to camp and survive in the woods. You know, oh, cool. I even caught Sam watching an Art of Craftsmanship video one day. Oh, I'm awesome. Like, this is incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
2: and just the conversations that you have with him around making things or out in the shop or just life in general. You go, I, I know that he picked that up from YouTube. You know, he'll make a yes. comment and you just go like, oh, yeah. I know that didn't come from me. I know it didn't come from my wife and it sure as hell didn't come from school. That came from watching YouTube.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know, Dexter too. I mean, he, he's yeah. all into cars and I was too right? when I was his age. I didn't have these resources like, you know, he no. has. So he's watching these guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had a hot rod and yep. you know, I was more into like VWs. So I was restoring older VWs, which were a dime a dozen back in the day. Yeah. And, and he now is showing, uh, you know, just like me, he's showing a very tactile, um, he's very affluent with his hands. He can, yeah. he can build things and make things and see things in his mind And I'm really trying to gear him more towards CAD because he comes to me and he goes, I need a motor mount cut. And I was like, okay, send me the CAD file. And he's like, well, I thought we would draw it up together. (laughs) And I'm like, listen, I can draw it in like five minutes, but I would like you to sit down and draw it. So, you know, we'll, we'll go through fusion and draw up a motor mount and then, yeah, and then make it, you know, on the plasma cutter or whatever. And, um, if, if I took that crucial step out of it for him and just cut it for him, he, you know, I, if, if you, if you're a young person listening to this right now, learn CAD now. Yeah. Like get yeah. into 100%. it now, understand it. If you do, you will be light years above your peers because you'll be 100%. able to do things that, uh, and you'll be able to make more money. It will be, uh, yeah. far, you'll have a far better professional existence if right. you understand 3D learn. modeling.
2: Uh, Learn CAD and learn how to write Python scripts.
1: (laughs) Python scripts would be a good one. Coding (laughs) is one of those things that takes a special person. Like
2: like one of the other. Python's a little more versatile, but um, yeah, I I say that all the time with Jack. And and he's picked it up a little bit, you know, coding. And there was a big push and it seemed like the society almost made it seem like every kid was learning to code in grade school, you know? And at least in my experience, what I'm seeing is that's not that's not the case. you know there is a shift, and I think um kids are starting to get more opportunities for hands on opportunities for robotics and shop classes starting to make a small little push back and and that kind of thing, but not to the extent that I think it's really gonna move the needle much, you know, and that's I think that's a that's a push that needs made um, at home. And I think it's a push that also needs made, you know, at higher levels of, of education, um, Mike Rowe with his, uh, dirty jobs campaign. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff where he really pushes for, um, you know, going to trade schools over, over universe, traditional universities and things like that. And, um, it's, it's starting to change, but boy, you're right. If, if our kids could learn that now, man, with with the the with the tooling that's available, right? Like for two grand, you get yourself set up with a CNC that can cut wood and aluminum. Another two two to five grand, and you've got a metal cut cutting CNC. There's almost quite literally nothing you can't make that you can't make. That's
1: right. You know, yeah. And it's if you just, think about, it, like, we all can't be machinists or or engineers and all that and i love mike rowe by the way like he's one of those guys that i look up to a lot Um, yeah one of the real guys one of the real real dudes out there doing real work um i think about it in terms like this like you know and mike rowe's a great example because he's he's he basically followed people around who were garbage men and you know sewage pump out guys and he, he said hey Not everybody can work be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or an investment broker or whatever, but these jobs are important. You know, all of these things that make our society turn and are very important. So, you know, you got to have those people too. What I think you'll find is that um, I always refer back to the book The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about guys like bill gates turned into bill gates because a he had an aptitude for coding and software and all of that but b he was uh given these opportunities like yeah. you know living in a neighborhood where somebody at the university had access to a computer lab you yep. if you don't give your kids access to tools or you know force them into learning cad when they don't want to yeah um they you know they're obviously they have to want it they have to want to do yep. it but um you but know, you
2: also have to push, you know, I think some folks, I've heard yeah. folks use that too. Like, well, my kid's just not into it. Well, guess what? My kid's not always into it either. Right. Um, but the buzz that we create around it and the passion that we have for it rubs off, right? And and they, they aren't going to want to come out in the shop all the time. You know, like Jack came out to make, uh, I pushed him for Two months, Christy and I both like, dude. We like we literally got to the point where like we expect you to go out into the workshop and make some Christmas presents for your relatives, right? <laughs> like that's
1: cool, yeah. Um,
2: you know, we we expect that of you this year because you and your dad talked about it and you had an interest at one point, and now you're just being lazy, not wanting to get your butt out there and do it. You know, so I think you've got to you've got to have that push. Um, oh yeah. I hear some folks who are like, yeah, they're just not into it, so I'm not going to push. It's like, well, okay, you know. Yeah, if you maybe just let your kids do whatever, push. they're going to
1: play Minecraft for right. for 10 days yeah. straight. Yeah, I'm with you. If your kid you. doesn't I, eat
2: peas, you tell, him, you tell him he's not getting up till he eats uh, at least three of them, you know. You got to eat your
1: peas, yeah. <laughs> if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. <laughs> right. How yeah. can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm <laughs> i'm with you i you know but it has to be a subtle push because uh, yeah you what it is i think you push too far then they get a sour taste in their mouth yeah. so, it's, so you gotta walk and that's the last
2: line. thing you want yeah. Yeah. but you jack got up and and man is he glad that i put that we pushed him now right he uh so i don't know if folks saw my post on instagram but oh that was jack awesome. carved some some bowls for christmas presents for his two grandmothers and and for his mom. And uh, we just happened to take, I happened to take a picture of him standing at the lathe holding a, uh, it was holding one of the ultra sheer woodpeckers tools makes just some awesome carbide turning tools. And I have a set of the full length ones, which are really long. I mean, the video probably doesn't quite do it justice, but those tools are full size. So from tip to tail, they're probably almost 28, 30 inches long which is really nice for him because it's like holding a baseball bat you know he sure. tucks it under his arm and that thing's not going anywhere so i like the safety of it for that sure. and then the carbide tools are just a lot easier to pick up well he's picked them up pretty well and and the folks at woodpeckers saw that post and reached out to me and they were like hey uh would you mind if we sent jack a a little package we saw your post and We just wonder if we could get your address and phone number. And I'm like, sure. Sounds good. (laughs) So I knew we were coming back here. Had no idea what they were going to send. Knew we were coming back here. And I said, well, we'll be back in PA if you want to just send it back there. That's cool. And I I didn't think much of it. We get back here the next, I think it was the following Monday. They messaged me on Thursday. Monday it shows up. And it was a box. With a full set of the turning tools, the square, the round, and the fine detail tool. It was a bag of pen blanks, five or six pen kits, and a pen mandrel. So when you turn a pen, you know, you put it on the mandrel so that, uh, you can turn a hollow form, you know, a hollow, um, hollow form, I guess, because you put the copper tube, the sleeve in the pen. You drill a hole in the blank. You put a copper sleeve in there, and then you mount that on the mandrel so that that block can turn with a hole through the middle. Anyway, he was thrilled. He was just over the moon, right? And and well, I would be too, right? A it was like four hundred
1: dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, it's they like sent a over. five oh five hundred
2: some dollar box of goodies. Oh my God. So
1: how cool? He's
2: yeah, just really. Now, had you and, ever
1: worked with woodpecker in the past? Like you had a had a contact over there.
2: Yeah. So I had, I had worked with them. Actually, I worked with them around my 10 K, uh, giveaway time when I hit 10 K, they were in that giveaway and they sent me a bunch of stuff to give away and a few extra things for us. And I think one other time we did a little, we connected on the turning tools, actually, I think that the full size set, um, but just to you know, not recently. It's been almost a year. Um,
1: but they just so, follow you on Instagram. And yeah, they, they just Judy must have been scrolling through and saw. Yep, you know that Jack just doing saw
2: something. that he was doing stuff. And there's That's another awesome. young guy on Instagram called Cam's Corner Shop. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He must be 12 or 13 year old, dude. Man, maybe he's 13, 14. Uh, his dad is Fulton. Fulton Fine Furniture or something like that. Um, But Cam is pretty active. He's posting almost on the daily and he works with his dad almost daily now with COVID going and everything else. And uh, I know he's worked with woodpeckers in the past. And so there's a few kids out there. Annie's Woodworks is another one that's a a young gal who makes cutting boards and she must be 13 or 14. And so it's really neat, I think, to see that. I encourage everybody to get kids out in the shop. I think you'll be amazed at what they can do that you didn't think they could, you know.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'd be here if my dad didn't, you know, right. kick my butt and tell me to get in this shop and make stuff yeah. and I, I started working with my hands and it gave me the confidence to to later in life do a lot more with that. And yeah, um, I learned CAD just to do the grinder bit you know, the grinder company because I I mean, back then, I didn't even know it was going to turn into a company. I mean, if you watch yeah. my older YouTube videos, I literally stand in one of my videos and say, I'm just going to make a new grinder. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to create a new grinder. And then the response, all of the people who were writing in And saying, "Yeah, you should do it. And here's my idea. And here's how you should make this, or whatever." Yeah. And I realized there was absolutely no way I would be able to accomplish this in a in a timely fashion or an efficient way without building it first in some sort of 3D modeling thing. Yeah. If if there's just something that
2: complex,
1: right? That's right. um, Because it all has to line up, and you you know, you've got clearances, and you've got a belt spinning at 6,000 RPM. So you're like. So I did it in SketchUp because I yeah. had like an educational license from SketchUp and I, I went and just loaded everything I could in there and then just started watching YouTube videos on how to create 3D shapes in SketchUp. Yeah. Little did I know that I would create that in SketchUp and then realize that SketchUp isn't really the way, you know, it's not really yeah. the best way to it's make that kind to, of um, design. Yeah. It seems It was easy, easy to convert it though. Yeah.
2: yeah, and the problem I've always had with SketchUp is, um, I think when most folks start with SketchUp, right, it's a it's a collection of lines that turn into shapes, versus making components. Um, so if you're if you're drawing a a two by four, right, y- you might draw it as what six or eight lines. Or you might draw it as a cubular rectangle, you know, a, yeah. a three-dimensional shape. And if you if you don't turn those things into those three-dimensional shapes, man, SketchUp can kick your ass because yeah. you can't get any kind of cut list or anything out of it, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. So the way I use Fusion now is I use it like SketchUp. I start with my two-dimensional drawing and then I extrude it. Yeah, and then I put it into place. So if you can imagine, you draw a square, and then you extrude yep. it to you know let's say three eighths of an inch. So now you have like a piece of wood or a piece of steel. Yeah. Then I place it where I need it to go, and then if that doesn't fit, I modify the three D form of it. Okay. Right. I can pull yep. and pull and push. Yep. Yep. The the walls of that device, or I can even cut cut into it and carve into it, and then pull and push. Yeah. And then once I'm done with that, I export a DXF version of that part. Okay. So I start with a sketch that gets me about ninety percent of the way there. But of course I'm gonna have to tweak it. Yeah. That original sketch goes away, I delete it, and then I'm what I'm stuck with is a two dimensional profile that I've yeah. pulled from from the three dimensional piece. Yep. That way when I send it off to laser cutting. Uh, I know that when it comes out of the laser cutter, it's going to have the proper sizing and, and clearance. Ah, yeah, yeah. So nice. you kind of do a blend. You you, yep, you start yep. with a sketch, which is, by the way, how Autodesk recommends you do it, ah. is that you start with a sketch, and then you move away from sketches into 3D, and then 3D. From 3D back to sketch, if that makes sense. So
2: Which, yeah. A- I just saw someone um, the other day that was using uh, an iPad pro. And I, I can't remember what software it is that they use over there. Um, but there are a few 3d modeling softwares on the iPad. And with the, with the Apple pencil, it looks really slick, but
1: yeah, I can't if you can called. load fusion on iOS, but I yeah. don't think you can modify much, you know, you can't, right. really edit it's like it. a viewer, right? Cause there's the a viewer. SketchUp
2: viewer uh, for iOS as well that I've seen. But it's just to view your 3D yeah, uh, just, files. You, yeah, it just shows
1: you the, yeah. the files. And,
2: but this was, he was actually creating shit with it. And uh, what's his name? Well, I think his handle's now Mullen the Maker, but Jesse Mullins. He uh, he does all of his design work on the iPad. And I, I'd have to ask him what he uses. But, yeah,
1: ask him. I'd be interested because there's you know a lot of times where I'm sitting around you know and I have my iPad and I would rather use that, but yeah, I ended up having to sit down at a computer to do all my prototyping. Which I'm I feel like a mouse and keyboard is yeah, it's way more of, effective of an interface anyway. But uh, looks yeah, it's like so. the
2: AutoCAD, uh, it's a DWG viewer and editor.
1: Maybe you can, made by AutoCAD, yeah, made by um, Autodesk. Yep, no kidding.
2: And then they've got well, because now. Right. Now you can actually plug a damn mouse and keyboard into the I iPad know. Pro.
1: I know. I know. It's pretty slick. We're starting yeah, to move pretty... into that direction where everything's tablet based. Yeah, it's insane. All right, Fun. we are forty five minutes. In, can you believe this? No. And uh, we gotta get to <laughs> our uh we gotta get to our comments here and our yeah. high points of twenty twenty. One of the things that in that um I had a friend a lot of years ago. Who used to ask me um what were my highs and lows of the day? You know, this was like yeah, her We do you know, that every concept. day at dinner with the kids, you know. We yep. would do that. And uh what's your high today? What's your low? So then it would yeah. what it do, it would spawn conversation based upon the things that happened around the children's day. Yeah. And uh so um I have uh, spent enough time thinking about the lows of twenty twenty. Right. And I thought, you know what? Let's talk about the high points of 2020. High points, I high like points, it. and uh, I, I've I've got a lot of good high points. Yeah, for what, 2020. what's your high points? I would say the high point of twenty twenty for me was um, was doing the grinder project and the, yeah. and watching that flourish. There, there's nothing more satisfying to me anyway uh, to watch uh, something that you've. Thought up out of thin air kind of come to fruition and then become successful in such a sm- small amount of time yeah so that is my high point and is, um, this is just the beginning as far as i'm concerned i think it, there's a lot more to do and there's a lot more to, to work on but uh but yeah that's my. that's
2: a really cool accomplishment you know um to be known specifically for something like that i think is that's a special kind of, of recognition,
1: right? It's, it's weird. It's actually yeah, it's, weird. How many times I'm tagged in social media looking at someone who I've never met, I don't know them yeah. and they're using the tool that I built right. or designed that they built yeah. in their own garage. And I think that's the cool part about the revolution is that it's a it's a it's a project that the builder has ownership of. So, you know, it's, I send them 90% of what they need to accomplish it. I give them the support to accomplish it and then they work for it, build it and own it. And they are happy to show it off. Like they want to show the world, look, I made this, I built this, even though I came up with the design, the concepts, ultimately it was built by them. Yeah. And, and And there's
0: enough little tweaks and,
2: and that that, that it becomes, yeah, you get cool and do all yeah. kinds of cool stuff but that but but like we've been like we've talked before right on the show is it takes someone like you putting it all together uh finding all the parts right like there's probably a pretty good percentage of the people that buy your plans and make it that could have made it themselves if they put the initiative into it right oh yeah yeah but at the end of the day um that triples the amount of time right or or just puts it just out of yeah just just out of reach right where um yeah how many times have you tried to make a tool or tried to make a jig or something and you're forcing it the whole time you know and this is this this fucking thing is not gonna work or it's gonna fucking kill me too many
1: times (laughs) you know frustrating
2: and, and, and all you sometimes need is you just that. give
1: up. You're like, ah, fuck yeah, this. I'm like, like over yep. this. I'm just going to go buy one. I don't care. They're 500 yeah. bucks. I'm going to go buy one and whatever. This yeah. is kind of like the blend of those two things. It's like you yep. have to go find some tube steel. You get in, But you, if you buy the kit all the nuts and bolts and the plans, everything comes with it. It's like, you know, you weld a few things together, cut some steel and do it. Yeah.
2: But that's a, that's kind of a Holy grail, right. Of, of, of creators in a way is to have that one thing. I can remember hearing an interview with Bob Claggett from, I like to make stuff, you know, and he said, he said in this social media game, everybody tells you that you've got a, you've got a hyper focus on a, on a subject, right. You need to be uh, known for a thing. And he said, I fly in the face of that. You know, he said, I- I'm trying to be the biggest generalist out there. And I think he kind of does that, right. Oh, he's he goes massive
1: success being general with his right projects.
2: He goes from Absolutely. fucking making R2D2 to making uh, uh, a tire swing, you know? And so there, it, it, but to, to focus and to specialize on one thing, it's, it's true. I think it's harder. I mean, I, I, I'm much better as a generalist than I am as a,
1: Very specific uh, maker of something, right? But the good news is, is the amount of modifications, upgrades, and attachments that, and belts and whatever else, and uses for this tool are pretty much endless. I mean, you can, and and you can create content all around it. Uh, And I, and what I've found is that my viewership is very much biased to that niche and if I make anything outside of that niche, uh Forget YouTube it. basically shoves it, you know, down yeah. in the bottom. So I I try to do a mix. I mean, you know, I, I think I, no one can make I don't personally want to just make two by seventy two belt grinder stuff yeah. on YouTube only. But at the same time, god damn it, it's so much fun. I like, I think about right. it every day. I'm like, well man, what if we took I'm just gonna throw this idea out there right now <laughs> since this is something that's been on my mind. What if we took a cheap Harbor Freight bench grinder?
0: Yeah. So if
1: you can imagine their three quarter horse, eight, eight inch bench grinder. Yep. We took off the wheels. We took off the guards and we, we made a plate that would mount to it, that would have a platen on it that mm-hmm. might be articulating, might not be, but it would have a tracking wheel and it would have a drive wheel. And yep. you could bolt it right up to the to the bench grinder. Now, this has been done before, mm. uh, but no one has ever actually done one like a kit where, you know, yep. if, as far as I know, may, maybe mm. that somebody has and I just haven't found one yet. But I've done some research on it. I can't find a lot of people who have actually formulated a plan set and a kit for this. And not that three-quarter horses is a ton of power. But it's way better than yeah. say a one by 30. And if you could get this kit for say 50 bucks, 100 right. bucks and, and transform a cheap bench grinder into something that Do you it. could make a knife on that's small yep. that a lot of guys have access to yeah. and put it in their shop. Don't you think that would be a marketable idea?
2: Oh, hell yeah. I, and I've, see, I, I just saw something like that the other day on YouTube where somebody, Somebody did that. They took like the one by 30 or they, they took they something the motor else and, out. Yeah. They it? turned it into a one by 30. I don't remember, but, but you're absolutely right. Like I think about that with my shitty little, um, the disc and belt, uh, sander thing. The from four Harbor by 36. 3. Yeah. Right. It's just a motor. I mean, it's yep. it, the, the motor is probably two times better than the tool itself. And in yep. fact, a, a trick that I learned with that tool in particular, a lot of guys get it, and the belt slips. And yep. so the first thing you try to sand, you go, "Well, oh, this motor's a piece of shit." Well, if you take the motor mount and you you push it back and increase the tension on the belt itself, the motor's more powerful than anybody gives it credit for. I just tighten the damn thing up, and now it runs like crazy. <laughs> I can't hardly stop it. Whereas oh, I yeah. used to be able to stop it with my hand. So it was it slipping.
1: Was, the belt was slipping. The
2: belt was just slipping. And no it sounds kidding. like the motor is overworking. Yes. Ah, but that's not but the case. It's it's literally just slipping in there. And so they have you know, the motor mounts. I use that as a pretty loose term, but you can slide the motor back uh, a little bit on the housing, so that now it tightens up that tension, and that yeah. thing runs like a rape tape now. And
1: they, and, you know, I, and they make uh, ceramic belts for that thing too.
2: Yeah, I yeah, found them, that's a um, nice red little label sander. It's yeah. really a decent little sander. I've I've used that thing for years as my only stationary sander i've always wanted a bigger uh disc sander and i think i might have mentioned it on the tools episode but frank howworth uh he has a big ass disc sander like a 30 inch disc which is insane. Have you seen
1: uh, Jimmy Duresta's latest uh, caliper box video that he made? Yes, yeah. With that disc sander, I, that must be that was 30. huge. That thing <laughs> that was is huge. effing huge, and I love how and it he's has got the stroke it, sander this side,
2: right? <laughs> that's yes, like the side. Yep. <laughs> if
1: you use There's the uh, other side, it flings your work across the room.
2: <laughs> Fireball Tools, Jason from Fireball Tools, he has a big one too. That he's got some big sticker on it about safety glass. It's imperative that you wear safety glasses while operating this tool or something my my favorite
1: warning sign is um, not only will this tool kill you it will hurt while it's doing it (laughs) yeah right that's my favorite fair warning all right here we all go right. we're going into the high points of 2020 um i'm gonna start on the instagram actually you know what why don't you start on the instagram i'll do facebook okay so if you want to go to the housework instagram housework. I the one the last comment i have is from b cone knives brian that's what i see we'll start there okay start there
2: mr cone longtime listener 2020 was a crazy year for my small business. Here are five reasons. Number one, this was my first year of selling knives. That was a huge step for me. Number two, early this year, I moved into my first ever dedicated knife shop. Three, this year I started sharing content on all of my social medias and created business pages. Four, mid-year I graduated from Harbor Freight one by 30 up to a two by 72. But the best part was the fact that I started making friends in the knife making community. Interacting with other knife makers inspires me every day to do better work. Incredible.
1: I love that. Hit he a that hell sense. of a year. Yeah, he graduated. From I home. know, I
2: like that. We should, we should create a
1: Harbor Freight University. <laughs>
2: little grad graduation graduate.
1: certificate. Where's you I could send a, those I out with PhD. the grinder kits. <laughs> yeah. I have a PhD from HB Universe or HF University. <laughs> right. And uh I've graduated uh from the Magnum Cum Laude, <clears throat> meaning man. my grinder is louder than yours. Uh grinder cum laude. Yeah,
2: right? me grinder cum laude. <laughs> 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 oh
1: man. All right. Let's see. <laughs> Roger, That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. All right. Uh oh shit. I lost my post. I gotta go back. I posted it somewhere on Facebook. Let me go find it. Ah, here we go. All right. We got nine comments on Facebook. All right. So nine comments. And here we go. Seven more comments. Uh, Mr. Scott Wilkerson, he says he would like to come back on the work for it podcast. Oh, he, yeah. He's welcome to do so. We just, uh, we changed the format up a little bit. So we've been doing this format, but yeah, we, we definitely need to bring people have yeah. like a third. I think three is the most you can have on any given yeah. podcast. You, you know, you, you, it's just like when you have more than three, it's like, to, you know, trying to talk over 20 people and, oh, man. and whatnot. And it's tough. tough,
2: but three is a good number.
1: Yeah, three is a good... It's the magic number.
2: Three is the magic number.
1: Three, oh, it's a all magic right. number. is it my, it is. my call? Yeah, okay. yeah, over on Instagram. Instagram, I
2: have Wurf Mark Vader. First of all, I started making knives due to COVID, and to kill time, I was furloughed. Got myself a few cheap tools to do it all with. Got some Damascus billets from eBay and started with shaping and stock removal. I really enjoy doing it, but lately I'm building more and more 2x72 grinders and started to get into other machines as well. Luckily, I still have a day job in this pandemic. I'm a lorry driver delivering to construction sites, and as the government want that to stay open, I'm still working my shifts. Like to do a little bit less on the lorry and more in the workshop, but it is what it is. Weekends in the workshop and normal work on the weekends. I just might have to hashtag work for it.
1: Yeah. Mark <laughs> is a interesting guy. He's a, uh reached out to me a little bit about building the two by 72 grinder in the UK with Brexit oh, nice. being what it is. We do have a European distribution house in Germany. So like mm-hmm. you can buy over there and then they, they'll ship it into Europe or ship it out of Germany okay. into the UK. And uh in fact, uh, Swen uh, who is my, the, my, my German buddy over there, who's doing all of that work. He actually, uh, uh, has a machine shop making the wheels and everything. So if you're in the UK oh, cool. and you want to just buy wheels or just buy the kid or buy the whole thing or whatever, you can do that through the housemaid.us website. And yes. then if you don't want to build it, you can reach out to Mark and he will construct it. So that what we'll do is we'll ship him from Germany and then to Mark and then Mark will construct them and then, uh, and then pass Aww. them along to whoever. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Brexit, how it, mess right? with everything i have a feeling it's, not yeah, it's too bad i'm getting notifications already from all my credit card trans uh you know like everybody yeah. that deals in that they're all like yeah you better get ready because it's a shit show so
2: what percentage say. of grinders do you sell places other than the states i guess
1: well, right now, Germany, or, uh, in Europe is the only place where we have a distributorship. Distributor, We're working yeah. with um, somebody in Australia to open up an Australian distri- distribution warehouse, right. and then and um, South Africa. So those are the four. Mm-hmm. But uh, then there'll be so we, you know, we don't sell a ton in Europe. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's hard because um, selling grinders is a lot of of promotional work and sure. you know uh I think my following is biggest in the US you know so yeah. I, I you know I do have a huge believe it or not I think it's about equal in in Australia so if you look okay. at my analytics Australia is right below the U.S., but it's like almost yeah. the same. And then well, you goes got from Tehran
2: then- is always, you know, top of the list
1: in Instagram. <laughs> Tehran, I know. I get a lot of like Arabic dudes like following me on Instagram. And love a
2: lot of and- the uh, bot farms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't even follow them back anymore. I
2: know, okay, yeah. Fine. You're, I you're think another. Tehran's number one on everybody's It's kind of funny. Oh, my
1: God, so weird. Mr. Sean Porter, uh, for, from crafting a life I want, uh, he said his second son was born in March. It's a great year to be born, by the way. Definitely the March. highlight of this dumpster fire of a year. Uh, I'm with mm. him. Uh, the years that my children were born were like awesome years for me. Yeah. And, you know, and then every year subsequent, you know, they're, they're, they're yep. great years as well. Uh, but watching my kids get born and, and, enjoying their new lives and seeing how they're developing. It's a really cool thing. It's so, a hoot. Cheers it, to you, people, Sean. Yep.
2: Yeah, people don't tell you that, right? When you're, when you're going to have your first kid, all you hear is all the horror stories of no sleep and everything else. But people forget they leave out that part about how damn much fun it is.
1: You know, <laughs> I was, I was married to somebody who didn't want to do a hospital birth. Oh, wow. so uh, we gave birth to Dexter in our house and um, hired a midwife to assist, yep. but I did all the, I mean, she did all the hard work. And then yeah, I, right. I just, I hooked my fingers under his armpits did so all the pulled him <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so, but, uh, and then Emerson, we gave the Florida changed the law. And then, uh, so we ended up having, you can still do a home birth, but there's a whole bunch of like, shit, you like go a lot through. of insurance and things that we couldn't afford. So we, We um, same midwife and then went to her birthing center, which was like in a strip mall. Okay, you (laughs) know, we walked into a strip mall and and gave birth uh, to Emerson, and he was so much faster. It was so much easier. But the same thing with him, I was right there to catch him with my catcher's mitt. There you go. uh, yeah, man, I was it. And, uh, yeah, I, was, was I I like to embarrass him with that story, especially around a table right. of, like, 30 people when we're having Thanksgiving dinner. I'd be like, <laughs> yep. first time I saw Emerson, because we didn't know, you know, that he was a boy. We're like, like, man, I saw yeah. his balls and realized he's a boy. Look at the size <laughs> of boy. the nutsack <laughs> on that kid. And, uh, oh, man, good times.
2: It's uh, such a fun surprise. We waited to find out with both of ours as well. And it's like that. you got it's two only... boys, too, just
1: like us. we got two yep. boys. Yeah.
2: Yep, yep. It's like one of the only true like surprises that you have, I think, with all of it.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, we knew with Dexter, but we we very much wanted to opt out on Emerson, yeah, because yeah. it was like, yeah, he, you know, we wanted to kind of be surprised, and it was such a neat time. That was such it a is, neat time. yeah, yeah.
2: All right, we got Dustin from the Art of Craftsmanship. I see you put his. I guess he must have done that. How did he do that? Like, know. oh, it's part of his comment. I
1: see. It? it looked
2: like it was part of the name because it says the art of craftsmanship and then open for oh, all right. Dustin, right I got. He oh yeah. He,
1: you know why he does that? Cause Devin, I always say, Devin. I don't know who's the one commenting if it's Devin right. or Dustin. He's, so he's highlighting
2: <laughs> that it's him. These guys, <laughs> um, these guys just hit, um, they just hit a hundred thousand subs over on YouTube. Dude, which is huge. phenomenal i huge. didn't get a chance um the other night they had their uh, uh it's little tonight celebration. Did, oh is it tonight
1: yeah if you're listening to this it'll be already over yeah, it'll, but be, it was, it'll, it'll, it'll be, be tuesday night yeah exactly yeah
2: very cool anyway starting at the top his number one was spending every day with my daughter
1: definite number... benefit of covid
2: how spending about it yeah really i mean a lot of family time Number two, family and friends, five-day canoe trip down the New River in Southwest Virginia. Number three, being gifted the Revolution 2 by 72 Much love to Brian. And number three, live streaming to interact more personally with the AOC or Art of Craftsmanship community. That was a great... That one, I remember reading that last night. That really kind of hit me. It's like, man, that that is such a good way to... Hit people, you know, to really allow people to get to know you. Number five, hitting 100,000 subs on YouTube and then a few more. (laughs) Finding a great new podcast in Work for It, joining the Makery Network, gaining a new niece and nephew, designing and making the Art of Craftsmanship Journey Knife. And our Bushcraft Axe video hitting 1 million views.
1: Whoa, I didn't know that. Hit a yeah. million views. Holy shit. That's he, awesome. He says
2: 2020 was a good year after all. That is Yeah, awesome. these guys are just killing it, and it's so
1: fun to see. Couldn't happen to better people. I'm telling you, they they worked so hard for it. And I just, I love watching their journey. I'm so glad I connected with them. It was funny because I was watching their rise and I was, you know, I've always been about a third of where they are. And yeah. I, and I just woke up one morning and I went, I got to send a grinder to Dustin. Like, I just yeah. want him like, cause I'm watching him make these knives right. and sharpening these axes on the Harbor freight, you know, one by yep, 30. Yep, he's, yep. make, he's making them like, he's making really good stuff with these, these grinders. Killer
2: stuff. And
1: I'm like, he, you know what, man, if anybody deserves it, they, you know, he does, he knows what it's like to use subpar tools. So yeah, I uh, hit him up on Instagram, said, Hey, can I build one for you? And he's like, Oh my God, of course. That's and, awesome. uh, we started BS and back and forth and, you know, and then when he was putting it together, you know, we had a few conversations and then, um, right after that, I got asked to join the makery network and Craig mm-hmm. had asked me like, Hey, you know, if you want to, do you have anybody else that would fit, you know, in our thing? I, the first person I thought of was, you know, Dustin and Devin. I was like, yes, of course, oh. these guys are great. He's like, you know them. I'm like, I know them. I, you know, just through collaboration stuff. Yeah. And, um and then we all got connected and we all started rocking the makery and you know, this is where we are now. It's kind of surreal. You know, it's amazing stuff. It's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. stuff. I have a friend, her name is Elizabeth Beck. I've known her, uh, for, um, Oh my God. Since I was probably 19, uh, her, I actually worked with her husband at Fox TV and she published her first novel this year called summer tour. And you can find that on, um, on Amazon uh, go out and find Elizabeth Beck's summer tour. She is uh, nice. really uh, cool lady, man. And um, creative make, she's been making stuff forever. She's an English teacher, you know, and yeah, just a really cool kind of hippie chick. They followed the yeah. dead for a long time. So that's where the title of that, uh, that book comes from summer tour.
2: Nice. And
1: um, they, you know, they're the ones that took me to like my first fish show and Mo show and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, good. Folks, that's man.
2: funny. I, it's kind of ironic. I used to work with a gal. Um, and, you know, we were, got to be friends through that. I, I worked for a nonprofit for a handful of years, saving the earth and all that stuff. <laughs> worked for the Student Conservation Association when I first got out of college, uh, which the SCA, as it's more probably familiar, uh, is, it's like an internship clearinghouse, if you will. So they offer conservation internships, and the way that they pull it off is they partner with federal uh, natural resource agencies. And so instead of hiring a a summer seasonal employee, they'll hire SCA to find an intern to place there. And uh, so I worked for SCA for about five years and ran their fire program, helped run their fire program. We were doing different wildfire uh, things Counting sticks and measuring, you know, things in the woods and stuff. But this gal I worked with, Kelly Ford is her name, or Kelly Joe Ford. Um, she worked with us for a couple seasons, couple years, couple seasons, and she just had a book that hit like the uh, New York Times top ten or something. It's called Crooked Hallelujah, and uh, it's about it's a it, she, so she is part Cherokee um and so this is a little bit about her native american history and past uh mixed in with some other life things her and her mom but i have not read the book yet but knowing kelly it's it's a it's probably a hell of a book
1: crooked hallelujah by by kelly do you know what's her last name kelly joe ford Ellie Joe Ford. All right, I'll look it up. It sounds interesting. It sounds really. Yeah, interesting. I think yeah. it's
2: like a modern, you know, just a modern perspective on on you know being Native American, uh, you know, or mixed blood Native American and and uh, something else. But yeah, she was she's just a great great gal, and she she left uh, SCA at the time and and had a um, oh what do they call it like some not a scholarship but she had a um, Oh, she got an award or something where they put her up and, and provided her housing and a stipend and everything else so she could continue her writing. And I don't know if she was working on this book or uh, another book. I think she's got a few books published, but kind of a neat setup, you know, where somebody just pays for your room and board and everything else down in, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And she just kind of hung out there with her boyfriend and wrote.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you're, you become – Talented at what you do, and you're an artisan. Um, a lot yeah. of times, people will come out of the woodwork, or publishing houses, or whoever will come out of the woodwork and fund your livelihood, so that yeah. you can. Uh, I followed uh, Hunter Thompson for years. He was one oh, of yeah. my favorite authors, and before he died, and and you know, if you know anything about him, that's how he lived. I mean, he yep. literally took a paycheck from Rolling Stone magazine to to you know live his insane life so (laughs) that he could write about it and because that those words coming out of his experiences um they were a commodity you know they could could be sold for something so that was uh kind of like what we do now as a modern day content creator it's the same thing you know he was like an early um, content creator
2: what's his name casey neistat when he got the nike contract yep uh early on right they wrote him a big check and he walked out walked out the back door and called his buddy and said, Pack a bag, we're leaving in, in an hour. Yep. And they just drove to the airport and booked a flight and like literally put all the money he made to make the commercial, I had no idea what he was gonna make, grabbed his yep. camera gear and a bag and just flew around the world doing crazy shit and that ended up being the commercial.
1: <laughs> yeah, they gave him ten thousand dollars to make the make that Okay, video.
2: I always wondered what it was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that and that turned into one of the highest viewed videos on the yeah. on YouTube. And it was if people
2: um, see it, you, you'd recognize the, co- the the commercial instantly. It's
1: he used the Hunter Thompson co- uh, a quote in that piece. In oh, hey. Yeah,
2: so yeah, very that's probably what triggered you to think that. about because he, he yep.
1: yeah he he was the, it was the exact same thing. He he was stro- they stroked him a check and he was supposed to create this you know studio piece. And yeah. they, they got in an airplane within an hour and flew all the way around the world. And it was just him running from the left side Making of the screen video, to the basically. right side <laughs> of the screen in front of all these really famous uh, monuments, like all these really yeah. famous places. And then... Um, he and jumped then in he a used a fucking quote, black
2: hole thing. Yeah, and he went, jumped off that at?
1: cliff and he was like sometimes yeah. you just have to do it and super inspiring piece. In fact, I, oh, you know, yeah. I I've watched it again and I'm like ah, it's it's blurry cuz it's shot like yep. you know it was like shot 10 years ago on some shit camera but yep. it's still very inspiring you watch it. Oh man. Like, oh man. It,
2: Especially it,
1: it, it, I almost the brilliance think of that piece.
2: Yeah, like watching his YouTube quote behind the scenes sort of shit on it too right like that almost makes it more inspiring you know if you just saw the commercial on TV on the Super Bowl or whatever it's like man that's fucking awesome but to know that like he walks out the door takes the 10k and says let's yeah, see how far this shit will get us you know and
1: yeah it's kind of cool I think it was funny too because he said they gave him 10 grand and he only spent five or six of it right because they, so they he- didn't spend any time in any particular place they just true they just shot the, like, they would fly. They flew to the Eiffel Tower. They flew to Paris, and then they just ran in front of the Eiffel Tower and then yep. got back on an airplane Get back and on flew plane. like Germany or something. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, like could you Rome. even
2: do that now? Like fucking. No, uh, you can't do security it security I mean, would just kill COVID you. He <laughs> yeah. was just buying tickets. Well, now it's COVID, but even yeah. without COVID, like I feel like airline security would just murder you.
1: I don't know. Have you ever done that? You just bought a ticket, like, the day of and you've gone somewhere? Have you ever I've tried to close, do that? I've come close,
2: I think. Um, well, I've done it on fires, but, um, yeah, that's different. They, yeah, they've got, you know, um, arrangements made with the airlines and stuff like that. So we can usually get, uh, we can usually get pretty incredible prices up to the day of, or the day before, but they're all pre-negotiated rates.
1: Yeah. I, I, when I jump seated a lot, it was just, I would make the decision, but I wasn't buying tickets. I would just show my badge and get yep. on a plane but um but yeah so all right we we gotta we gotta keep sh- yep. uh, moving Let's forward <laughs> we <laughs> can talk off. all freaking damn <laughs> hour and 15 already so, funny because uh,
2: i said to my wife today i said maybe i should talk to brian more during the week <laughs> then we wouldn't, wouldn't have, have so all this good stuff
1: to talk about yeah <laughs> right sure. yeah you got right, one, I think it's you your turn. Go? No, it's your okay. turn on Instagram.
2: Pickle there. cutters. Pickle Cutters says, "Getting right back up after losing my job, I loved as a furniture maker to COVID and created pickle cutters."
1: That's my boy Nick over there, pickle cutters. Yeah, yeah he's doing it. He's he's. You want to you want to look at somebody who had the the odds stacked against them and created something yep. amazing? That's who you need to look at, and especially. Hey, uh, during COVID he got furloughed and then he was like screw it he went and bought a bunch of steel he had never made a knife before um, great story I, we've yeah. had Nick on before and he's, oh. he's just a he's just one of those guys that's just like I, I have a special place in my heart for people who uh, can take risk and throw it behind them yeah. and, and do whatever it takes to you know at it? least they try he tried.
2: makes some awesome stuff. I was just kind oh, of poking back through his feet yeah. again, and it's like, man. Yeah, he's very talented. good shit. Yep. Yeah,
1: very, very talented. CJ Johnson says, officially started my creative smithing design and book binding business uh, nice. with my son. Which I didn't know about the bookbinding part, which is uh, interesting because I've bound a few books in my day. Uh, A lot of this is geared towards teaching other kids and parents these skills in the hope of creating young entrepreneurs. I love that.
2: That's amazing. CJ is
1: one of those guys, man, that he is behind everything I have done. He has supported my work in multiple ways, multiple times. Um, nice. and I appreciate you, CJ, and I hope you know that. And um and we've we've done some mentoring together, just business mentoring. He calls me every once in a while and it's like, hey, I got this idea. So Very education cool. and connections uh and social media are his strong suits. So anything he applies to those three things will be successful.
2: Awesome. Fetter knives, Mr. Jeff Feder. Fader says Fader Fader. <laughs> Jeff Fader says, Teaching my kid to drive for the first time. Shitty year and small victories are way sweeter. Here's to 2021 full of peace, prosperity, and good health.
1: Cheers to you, Jeff. Absolutely. Cheers, one of the hardest working men I, I have a privilege How to about work it, man? working next to and doing things with. And, yeah, he's one of those guys where, yeah, another guy that puts – his best foot forward and takes takes a lot of risks and then talks about the the positives and the failures and all of that. And just what I think I love about him the most is how genuine he is. There's no, you don't get a different Jeff Fader, you know, you're talking to him on the phone. True
2: blue. Yeah. You
1: hear him on a podcast or you see his work on YouTube or uh, Instagram. It's the same guy. He's not dude. He's not putting on any airs. That's who he is. So. Yeah, it's um, good. We appreciate good stuff. you, Jeff. Yeah, it's been a good year so far. Um uh somebody, a friend of mine, uh, also another Fox TV employee, uh her name is Sherry Delavue, Delavue, uh, she actually got a chance to go to Germany. So this was her high point for 2020. Right. She got a chance to travel into Germany before they closed travel. And yeah, we were, um, not me personally, but my wife and our kids and everybody were supposed to go to um, Italy for like 10 days. And then COVID happened um, and uh, they they can't go. <laughs> so it just canceled the whole trip. So it's just yeah, it's great that you got a chance to go and do that, Sherry. I bet you that was awesome. I can imagine her. She's a skinny gal. She's, man, she's like, she's one of these people that I'll never forget working with her. She was an amazing human being, still is. But she would, you know, big, I can imagine her standing there with a big stein of beer, you know, <laughs> chugging <laughs> a big German beer. But she's like 95 pounds soaking right. wet. Right. You know. You yeah.
2: know. Those big big uh stone mugs or whatever they are, those big clay mugs.
1: Oh my god, yeah. With the lid, the brass lid yep, on the top. Nice. Polished brass.
2: Double Octoberfest. Miller. Wait, where am I? Miller Works. Uh welcoming our second baby girl into this world.
1: There's another one. Welcome to Planet Earth. Yeah. Little Miss Miller. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, my buddy Anthony Condon, uh, Anthony is a super funny, amazing dude. He built the revolution. I became friends with him during that process. Uh, he has a punk rock band nice. uh, called Nothing Gold. You can go find him on Spotify. And, you know, Very when people cool. go, oh, hey, you should listen to my band and, uh, you know, check me out or whatever, or, you know, you're, you know, feel free to use my mu- I get that a lot. Feel free to use my band's music in one of your videos. I'm just like, yeah. oh, God, OK. Right. I went out and listened, <laughs> <laughs> went out yeah, and listened to okay. Anthony's stuff and it's good. It's, it's killer like It's really knife. good. It's really good. Um, it's Very like cool. Ah uh, god, I'm I'm he's going to kill me for saying this, but it's like mighty mighty boss tones. Okay. Yep. So you imagine it's got like a ska feel. Yep. And then it's like five-finger death punch. <laughs> nice. Okay, like if you can imagine blending those two bands together.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: And and then with their own twist, it's really good little- stuff. Nice. Very very good stuff. So find Anthony's band called Nothing Gold Nothing gold on Spotify, and go give him a follow and a listen because he says, "I got that rock that'll break your arm." There you go. (laughs) That's that's his year that he said he that was his high point of 2020. Like it. Uh,
2: Marshall Forge says built a shop and started a small business making presents. Instead of buying them for family, was pretty special.
0: That is. is
1: it is special and they will never forget it man they'll hold on to that for sure
2: that's for sure
1: Rusendahl works my buddy Chris Rusendahl he says easily I can answer this two courses I took to make a couple of knives under the supervision of a journeyman smith Chris is one of those guys that is following, you know, doing work, the work of learning how to bladesmith from traditional blacksmiths and bladesmiths and is actually taking the classes. And he shares with me like photos of the process and stuff. And, um, it's, I can just tell by the look on his face, how much he loves it and enjoys it. Yeah. So
2: there's a whole like certification too, right. To become, a. Yeah, master bladesmith, uh, yeah, or?
1: the American Bladesmith Society. So, what is it? Uh, the um, it's a ABS. master bladesmith. I can't remember the name of it. There's a only a handful of them, you know. There's like just yeah. a, you know quite a few guys that go for it, but don't don't get through the program.
2: So. It'd be neat to see more more um, hobbies or not hobbies, but more you know skills like that have some kind of certification because I feel like that. Um, at times, if if you're going to hire someone to do the work, right, um, it's sure nice to know that they can do it. <laughs> How many contractors uh, are out there fly by night with a, a ladder and a a, a hammer? And There's
1: too many. I can tell you they're, that. They're, right they're framers. Now. You know, yeah. There's guys that show up on the job site and you're like, have you ever even been inside of a yeah. house? Wait, do you know what gotta, one of these looks like?
2: <laughs> I, I got a stick frame that roof? Fuck, I've never done that. Yeah. yeah
1: exactly Uh, and painters too like when you look at somebody's work they're rolling on the paint way too thick and it's just drooling down the wall I'm like you realize how much work this is to fix this come on have you ever done this before
2: (sighs) oh okay Ben's Bites high point too many with regards to knife making with regards to the knife making business number one was building a revolution and becoming friends with Brian number two selling the first knife off the new grinder and number three, pushing myself to make more innovative handles, mainly my angled metal
1: spacers. He does Very this thing. Cool. Have you man, seen? Have you seen I, his angled spacers that he makes for these octagonal handles that he's making?
2: I've been I've been checking his stuff out because of you know, gonna start. Well, I've been thinking a lot about with a uh, little collab that I'm gonna be doing with with Brian Cohn, and I'm like, man, I better start. I better start doing some digging on how to make a damn handle.
1: <laughs> Talk to I've Ben because he's got jigs that yeah. he, for his table saw. So like I just posted a video today about my um and this was the, the worst. This was the worst decision I've ever made was posting <laughs> a video on Instagram right before we go to podcast record because oh, my yeah. phone is just Blink, going bling 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 bling. bling. And, um, which is a lovely thing because by the way, right. I, you know, I, I'm, I take it all very seriously and I appreciate it. Not that you're love. complaining, but oh, leave me God. alone. I, you know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, my phone is just blowing up. Um, bad decision to, on timing, but, um, <laughs> so I made a jig because Ben had, uh, had in, uh, basically inspired me to, uh, start making octagonal handles and doing Japanese yeah. style knives. I normally would probably not have gone down the road if it wasn't for Ben. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, look at these. Look at the beauty of these handles. I'm like, "Eh, I know, but it's like a full. They're pretty sweet. It's a whole nother world. Instead of a full tang handle like I'm used to making, making round or octagonal handles or tapered handles, it's an art beyond knife making oh, it's to wood get it. and plastic and metal and yeah. to bind it all together then to cut it in a way that's uh going to look uh, you know and feel in the hand like something that you would see on a japanese knife it's a very difficult process yeah. and he's like sending me videos of his tapering jigs and all this other stuff which yep. led me down the road of creating that jig looks own. sweet though i'm just looking at it now it looks kick-ass it's it's pretty neat and it's not my I mean, neat to um, concept yeah I'd you need to add some like
2: indexing pins or some something to it somehow, so you could
1: – have you ever see seen – uh, See the, oh, the piece of angled steel, tube steel that's sitting yeah. above it? Okay. That is what I use. So the oh, yeah. one side is, one is a cut. 90 and the yep. other side is a 45. So that nice. is what I ride the, the wood up onto. And it has to be free flow because yeah. once you start turning and tapering – that can't be uh, you know it ha- can't be right. 90 degrees to the pins because 90 degrees doesn't exist anymore you know yeah, when, yeah. when you're tapering so um in some cases you you I've seen it where the, that piece is actually fixed to the top plate but uh-huh. it slides you know it's like okay. maybe say on a and like a tab and slot type thing but it's just as yep. easy to hold it in your hand i mean i, I don't see anyone yeah. do it that way
2: well and then you know i've always find too that uh, to some degree the the cutting is like the first step right and then there's always the ability to refine it through sanding and sure. you know you know that kind of thing but but boy to get to get your proportions correct and to get it you know to get both sides the same and all that kind of stuff that's if you don't start there it's just a pain in the ass you're fighting and chasing and it's amazing how much you can look at something and everything measures identically but it just doesn't look right, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's like
1: yeah, that side oh, is just a fucking just, a, little just a
2: hair longer than the other, or the wider, and,
1: or whatever. It and is. Ben throws down the gauntlet because he does like a offset taper. Uh, so oh yeah, two si- two of the four sides. Well, I should say two, two of the eight sides are yeah. are of a different uh, taper. So, oh, wow. so when you get one of his handles, you know, there's these two sides that are side by side that are slightly more tapered than the other yeah. two. So there, there beco- it becomes like a, a challenge of geometry where you're trying to sure. figure out, okay, like how far, like how far do you taper? Now you can, the rabbit hole of octagonal handles, once you figure it out, you're like, oh, I get it. You know, it should be a two to three millimeter taper. You know, that's like how he does it. You know, he, he right. figures it off out that way. But, you know, if you don't start with a big enough piece of wood, you're going to end up with a handle that's way too small for the hand or your yeah. knife won't slide your handle, uh, your tang will not slide into the handle so there's just so many factors and hey, They're it takes about all of about three seconds to fuck up a handle and <laughs> right. gone Not, less yep. than that. A third of a second it it's yep. gone. Goodbye. Three all that days stabilizing, the all the freaking the epoxy, epoxy. <laughs> everything you just did, <laughs> all the like the eight hours of work it took you to get to that point is uh, obliterated. <laughs> See, <laughs> I am trying,
2: you know, <laughs> Jack, Jack was going to get in one day. We're out turning this summer. And he started talking about pen blanks, and I never put two and two together. But hell, if you're making pen blanks, you could just as easily make them a bit larger, and they could be handle blanks. Absolutely. Yep. Um, in fact, I was teaching him about business a little bit this um, this summer, and I, you know, we went through and priced out what it would cost for a mold and epoxy and all this other shit, you know. And I, when I laid it out, it was like you had to make a hundred and some hundred and some pen blanks. Before he could even start turning, you know, yeah. a decent profit or whatever, he's like, "Screw that!" You know, yeah, to tell. He's like, this "What? Does not I got to sell that many?"
1: Something does not compute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's figuring it out really quick. He's like, "Wait," he's yeah, like,
2: "I ain't working for that shit."
1: <laughs> Time to double your price and add a thousand, Jack. That's how we do uh, it. And uh, but that yeah. I might have to play around with that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Ab- see, I think you'd be great at making handles. Because yeah. if I gave you parameters, I think you'd be able to do it. That's That'll be the trick. Give yeah. you the parameters.
2: Well, we're, Brian and I, we haven't been chatting much, but um, I'm starting to think about, I, I see a lot of really cool uh, marking knives out there, uh, oh. but they only serve one purpose, and that's yeah. just a marking knife. And I've done a little bit of research, and there's some pretty cool Japanese carpentry knives out there yep. uh, that serve more than just marking purposes you know it'd be kind of cool
1: it's funny that you say that because i i actually saved a post uh on reddit of a really interesting it's almost like um a sheep's foot style marking mm-hmm. knife most of the marking knives that you're you're probably referring to are very angular you know yeah, the handle those, and the blade are all one. like a piece. chisel with the yep, uh, yep. miter
2: cut on it you know? this
1: one if you can imagine is more like a, they, they call it a sheep's foot it's like you know very curved at the front i'll send yeah. you a photo but um i'm gonna I'm, I'm thinking about doing a jimmy diresta and making like 50 of these and see if they sell like cutting yeah. them all out on the plasma table and then uh, yep. the bevels would be fairly simple to make and then just having like handle choices you know like Sharp different them types up. of burl or whatever.
2: yeah and a lot of guys sell them without even without a handle even. You
1: know. yeah the, yeah exactly and I, I for this i really wanted to feel like a traditional woodworking tool like something yeah. like say you would use on a lathe where it would have a wooden handle yep. uh and then a uh so a, a, a hidden tang or uh just a full tang could be and then uh at the and of the, the, a very uh a, a very sharp uh uh a primary grind so it's like a yeah. you know you can mark wood with it you can mark steel with Sharp. it i'll, I'll harden yeah. them to you know a super sharpen
2: your pencil or yeah exactly use
1: a chisel or and it'll super, it would be super you can open blade. a box with it you know stuff like yeah. that too yep. you know
2: that's so. what i find i need most and i use a utility blade uh I use the maker knife quite a bit from jocko but that you can't pry anything with it you know so right. i always wish i had the Ability to pry. Well, let yeah, me know. This, I'll, this I'll make would you some leather some, sheaths for it or something.
1: Oh yeah, that, you know that would fun. be kind of cool, right? Because uh, this is going to be a nice, thick. I have all this A2 tool steel that I got super cheap, yeah. and it's but it's three sixteenths, so it's real thick, and I don't want to yeah. grind it all down. So, but these would be perfect for that. So yep. you can imagine a big, thick, stout, you know, uh, spine, heavy duty. Yeah. You know, throw this thing against the uh, uh, you know concrete and it won't break. Hell so yeah, that, that was the point. You know. <laughs> And it's Very an air cool. air quench steel. So, uh, but anyway, all right. So we gotta we gotta let's let's real yeah, quick we'll, finish we'll, we'll these wrap comments. It up. <laughs> Ian Maz, my buddy Ian Maz says he just had another child, and he's also kind building right? a shed to make his garage more of a workshop. So that's good. Hooten Knives says getting my first anvil, which by the way I'm super jealous about. I need an anvil, a better anvil, and getting my forge up and running. That's great, Hooten Knives. <laughs> I love that. Uh, my buddy Joshua Perkins uh, J Perk 48 says my journey into knife making starting during quarantine buying the 2x72 revolution plans and then filling the shop in with more tools and started a new cool hobby and I got to meet a really a lot of cool people so cheers to you Josh man Amen um, Let's see here one more I think I JK might have I got two more actually on okay, this one Okay good JK's late Oh, you got one, too. Okay. J.K. Blade says, Getting to the point of selling enough knives to take time off of my day job just to work on blades has been super nice. That's amazing. One step closer to becoming full-time in the next couple of years. I love it. Go for it. And Mammoth Creek, I got one more. Mammoth Creek Knives says, My first grandson. Mammoth Creek, cheers to you, man. I didn't know you were going to be a grandpa this year. That's awesome. That's amazing.
2: Moment to look forward to. That's it. All right. Entiat River Forge says, started forging knives during my COVID-inspired six-week vacation.
1: COVID-inspired. <laughs> I like that. I was inspired to take a vacation, a.k.a. Right? I got laid off or furloughed or some yep. other crap. Yeah, that sucks. Uh,
2: built a forge, made an anvil from a railroad track, and got a one-by-thirty. Honestly, a life changing endeavor in such a positive way. And because of that, I found some really great podcasts like this one and some really great people in the knife making community. Thanks for the great content. Hopefully, I'll get my revolution two by 72
1: built here soon. Cheers, very cool. Well, Mr. Benjamin, I think we're going to shut it down. I think this is it. I mean, we, uh, they're going to pull the plug on us if we don't that's it i think they will pull the plug on they're turning the lights off i think so yeah we're an hour and 35 in no better way to end 2020 than with the work for a podcast talking about new year's eve yeah man are you doing anything fun for new year's
2: no we fly back to uh back to idaho the next day so i ain't doing that shit with a hangover no
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ask me about my worst road trip of my life sometime um, and i'll tell you because it was all pretty much all hung over so right yeah yeah I get, although our kids let, let's drink four bottles of wine the night before we leave on a two thousand mile <laughs> road trip we have to leave at 5 a.m for bad decision number one <laughs> that's how it all started folks woke up in prison
2: I don't know. I don't know, Shaggy. Never been to
1: prison. I'm just kidding. Jail. Not for no, very no. Long kidding. Anyway. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> drunk tank or something. But no, no. Right. I've never been arrested. All right, yeah. everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Work For It Podcast. We truly appreciate you. We hope that you have an awesome New Year's Eve because How about it? uh twenty twenty one is gonna be a good year. I am sending positive vibrations out through Damn. this microphone right now to you, because all of you I know are going to work for work it. Work for it. Yes. Yeah. I love it. All right, Benjamin, have a great afternoon.
2: All right, brother. We you appreciate too. you. Travel Happy safe. Happy New Year. I we'll see you back you. in Idaho. Yeah, I'll be back in the home shop here. Firing it off. Be a good start to the new year. A lot of exciting things coming.
1: I agree. All right, amigo. Yeah. We'll catch you on the right, flip buddy. side. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.